Hey, welcome back for the Questionable Show, episode 7. Uh, it's been quite a minute since uh, I recorded the last episode, episode 6. Uh, it's been, I think, a couple of months since then. A lot of, uh, definitely a lot of changes in my life. Uh, a lot of, a lot of chaotic stuff has happened since then. I believe the last episode was kind of a recap after stepping down from the position in Portland. Yeah, man, it has been a minute and a half since then. Uh, a lot of changes in my life, but uh, I feel great. I feel great sitting here right now. Um, for the last six episodes, I've been recording looking at a basement wall in Midwest USA and I've got a great few windows open great view of my Northwest London flat a lot of uh, a lot of steps still left to go to make this kind of stick but um, right now feeling good feeling great uh, and feeling great about everything going on in the league it's uh, it was a great start to the season, let's say that. Uh, kind of tougher, much tougher last half going into the playoffs, and um, they did it again. How can, uh, how does, uh, how does San Jose keep getting away with this stuff, man? I don't know. Just, uh, that's just how it is. Yeah, I just pulled it up. Last episode on the, on the show was uh, September 13th. So, recording this on November 16th, it's about, uh, just about to hit noon here in London, and, uh, we're back on it. Two months, been out, dropped a question thread a couple days ago now, and, uh, ready to jump into it. Just want to go ahead and give a review of the season, just finished up season 25 here, last, uh, Friday. And, um, I mean, my season really ended for me Wednesday after uh, the conference championship game. But a lot of stuff been picking up since then. Um, a lot of off-season news already. Uh, I think a lot still to come. Still a few big free agents still hanging out there, but overall it's been an exciting free agency uh, altogether. But uh, let's look at the season first. Orange County finished 11 and 5 on the season, which is really tough after a 9 and 0 start. I don't think we talked about this really enough around the league, but going from 9 and 0, you know, nine straight wins to start the season. And then week 10, we go at New Orleans. Uh, drop that game. Pick up a win at San Jose. Uh, drop a game at Baltimore, drop a home game to Arizona, and then uh, pick up the home game versus New York, drop a home game to Honolulu, and drop the away game to Austin dead in the season. Even though we didn't really test too much for the Austin game, we didn't have a lot of confidence that uh, Colorado was going to lose the game, so we felt pretty confident we were out of the... Uh, first place running as far as overall standings and we knew we'd already locked up first overall in the ASFC but um, 
just tough to end 11 and 5, you know, after starting 9 and 0. Even tougher to go into the playoffs and one and done. It's been that way for a few seasons now for Orange County, and it's been kind of a bummer. Um, yeah, just uh, really not fun to lose out of the playoffs to San Jose twice in a row. Um, definitely favored in this game. It was a close win percentage possibility for us last season. San Jose back-to-back champions is kind of um, insanity. I don't know. Man, I don't know. Max chaos, though. It's just always going to happen. Um, so losing to San Jose out in consecutive seasons. Uh, S23. Let's see if I can pull that up. I don't even remember who we lost to then. It was probably Noah or something. I forgot who even... No, it was Austin. Austin... Man, can the, can the ASFC just get fucking right for a season? Like, damn. That is three straight seasons that, um... I guess I am saying that, and I guess S24, San Jose was the one seed, so I can't really be too mad at them for going. But just the playoffs as a whole, the last three seasons have been... I mean, who am I kidding? The last just... Uh, I don't, when was the last time that I, I guess, so S23, a favored team, won the Ultimus, but then, you know, S22, Colorado got the upset, S21, I'm trying to remember who was the favorite in that um, Ultimus, because I wasn't paying attention as much for that one. It was uh, Nola hosting the race, so that was a home, yeah. So that one went fairly predictably. But I mean, even then when you look at the Ultimus going predictably, like Noah had to had to upset Orange County in an away game there that was a crushing one to watch for sure. That um that twenty seven to twenty four overtime game. Oh, but it has been been tough been really tough especially looking at how good this team is you know how i don't know but a lot of good teams in the isl right now i don't i can't complain about it too much and i we'd made the ultimus i don't know if we would have there's a low chance we would have been able to replicate what san jose did i mean there's a low chance that san jose was going to do what they were going to do um but these are it's kind of the nature i know people are looking at um the big news that came in recently, uh, S27 is going to be the ISFL moving away from DDSPF 16, moving to the current uh, releasing uh, DDSPF 21 uh, game simulation that we'll be using from now on. Look at the UI. The UI is nice. I, I like a lot of the improvements about there, but uh, I think at the end, you know, it's kind of a shortcoming of a simulation. Uh, Maybe us not knowing the percentages as much will 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 make it um, less impactful. But knowing how much I don't, I don't know how much twenty one uh, weighs home field advantage, but um, just generally knowing how favored the home team generally is. But in the end, it's just a 
every single game in the simulation is just a roll of the dice. Um, you know, if you're rolling a fucking D100 for my RPG nerds out there, um, you're, I mean, if you're heavily favored in the game, you're still, you're still hoping to roll 80 and under. I mean, like an 80% win rate is pretty, pretty freaking lopsided. Um, I have not seen many games over 80 to 85%. I really, I don't think I've ever seen personally testing any more than that. So it's pretty, that's, um, I mean, that's still more than one in 10 games, almost one in, or two in 10 games are gonna be uh, upsets. And that's just the, that's just the teams that are super, super favored. So um, if you look at a team like, like Norfolk this season of the DSFL, really, I mean, not on them. They're just, um, they had a big clearing house of uh, the whole team. And uh, if you look at them versus somebody like London, they're still able to upset London in a home game. That's insanity. Um, there's been there have been talks about um, running uh, a, a uh, community event simulation. I think that was supposed to happen last season between Philadelphia and London. So the bottom team of the ISFL and the top and the uh, ultimate champion in the DSFL. And uh, I think I think the reason I think those games will never happen because there is such a significant chance that the DSFL team would win. It's going to be crazy low percentages, probably even lower than what I was just talking about. But there's still a significant chance, and we know the simulation. We watch the games. Like if we did that every season, the DSFL would win several games, and that would just suck ass to be the ISFL team that loses to the DSFL team. Um, and that's just a limitation of the sim. I don't know if S I don't know if uh, SPF 21 is gonna really improve that for us. But, um, overall, can just kind of look at um, how the team looks overall. Uh, you know, as much as you want to rack up those rings, I think there's something, at least for me, is just, you know, are we consistently building a great team? Uh, and that's why I think, for the most part, people look at Orange County as such a historical success. The fact that we've made the playoffs every season in ISFL history um, takes a lot. Takes a lot of consistency, a lot of really great work by the GMs, all the GMs throughout history for Orange County, so that's, I think, that's what I look to for, like, ultimate success. Um, even if you look at the ultimates that OCO has, a lot of those are won off of some lucky sims, but it doesn't mean the team as a whole hasn't consistently been probably the best franchise in Icefell history. Just with the consistency, really. Um, so yeah, still feel really great about the team. Um, I think we'll be even better as a team next season, easily. Um, a lot of good pieces coming together. I think that leads me into talking about free agency here. Um, a couple of huge free agency signings, especially for Orange County here. 
uh, able to bring in Thor, uh, the tight end Heath Evans from S21, and uh, bring Rodicus Scott, the uh, newly switched over to defensive tackle. Um, but yeah, bringing in Heap from uh, Arizona and uh, Roddy from Colorado. And uh, feel really great about both of those signings. Still active on the free agency market a little bit, but um, we'll see how that goes. Don't want to jinx that by saying anything about it. So Either way, pulling in those two signings uh, are going to be a big addition to not only making the defense a lot stouter, but um, giving us a really great additional option on offense. So gonna be gonna be really interesting to see, especially after the season's performance for Nakamura. Um, felt kind of okay about it. Uh, still was able to net a nomination for running back of the year, but um, probably will be the last place vote getter in that uh, in the actual awards voting. Um, despite I think him deserving maybe to be around third place with the amount of touchdowns that he accrued um, but that's me waiting touchdowns a little bit more than some other people some crazy seasons being put up by uh, Jamar Laxon and Ashley Owens those will be the two to watch uh, Owens has about 1600 rushing yards I, I want to say and then another 500 receiving yards about six. I, I, I haven't looked at if he has any receiving touchdowns, but I believe he has six or seven total touchdowns on this season. Versus Laxon, who has about 14, 1300 rushing yards and about 12, 13 touchdowns, I believe. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see who uh, ends up getting first place there and uh, takes that award away. Very interesting, I think. Um, yeah, looking forward to awards uh, overall. Uh, gonna be good. But that's kind of a <laughs> divergence from what I was talking about. Uh, free agency, right in, right in front of me. Um, let me see if I can find any of the other big signings that I really uh, liked. Let's see, Tayon. Um, so uh, Steve Rogers finding a new home uh, away from Baltimore in New York gonna be really cool to uh, see him kind of be a part of the really solid plan that New York has to um, to ramp up and be really competitive in about three seasons I would say um, Nola signed Slothman uh, the DN that I believe is gonna switch we'll see we'll see what he uh, where he ends up going or uh, what that kind of goes but uh, Slothman an old Portland alum one of the first players I drafted, I think the first player I drafted, if I remember right. Anyways, great guy, always always been fun to work with. Was hoping to try and bring him over to Orange County, but just um, didn't work out to uh, get all the logistics there. But great move there. Uh, Caltroit moving to Chicago it was very interesting to me. So give us a fair rub going to uh, the Butchers. Um, Corbin Brown leaving Baltimore. A lot of a lot of leaving Baltimore and uh, leaving uh, Philadelphia were the big big notes there. Um, uh, yes, 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 yes. Colorado resign Lim. That's fine. I'm not going to talk about other Colorado's other signing because that would just be 
Um, Baltimore pulls in uh, a couple players, though. Well, a couple of aging players, but still, I think it's going to help them maybe stabilize a little bit. Not sure exactly what the long-term plan is. They're definitely a little bit worried, but um, Baltimore brings in Dermot and uh, Rampage both. So uh, grabbing a veteran quarterback, cornerback and running back can be very interesting to see how those play out for Baltimore. Um, trying to remember if there's any any other significant signings, or at least uh, new signings. There's a few, you know, good re-signings, but um, not sure if I have anything else. Oh, of course, uh, Sarasota bringing in Exalizer, um, Dred Deville to uh, really, uh, really roundhouse kick uh, Panda out of his uh, SLB role. Um, haven't seen Panda re-sign back with Sarasota, but I believe that that's the intention. Which, I mean, power to him. I definitely wouldn't be signing back to play middle linebacker after getting replaced, essentially, in free agency. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes you're just stuck with your team and you want to keep playing with them. I totally understand that. Um... More news to come in free agency. We'll be looking out for that. Um, I think I did say Corbin Brown to Honolulu. That's a good pickup there. Um, get a young, another good young wide receiver. He's been, he's kind of pinged around a few places already, hasn't he? But uh, can't blame him for getting out of Baltimore right now. Just uh, they're a very tenuous place, as is Philadelphia, which we'll kind of talk about further down in the questions. Uh, I think I've talked enough of just about where the league is right now and where everything is right now. Um, so might as well go ahead and jump into looking directly at the questions uh, asked today. And uh, that'll certainly lead us to more conversation uh, and more to talk about. First up on the questions uh, of the boy Ziegel, Chuck Roth from uh, Arizona. Great guy. It's been uh, a lot of fun to have in Portland hanging out there. Uh, Siegel asks, first question, what are your thoughts about uh, GM turnover in the league? We've seen a few teams mixing it up, uh, to put it lightly, over the last season. A lot of uh, changes in the last couple seasons. I think we look at GM turnover, it's still, I think, concerning directed to a few teams that are at least when we like when we look at these and we're like oh there's a problem with GM Turner like I don't think anybody sees a problem with like Moody stepping down and uh, Kyle stepping in like I feel like that's pretty that's pretty logical and consistent and you know uh, and they've also had Jake uh, uh, Joe K step down fairly recently and um I'm try I believe it was, uh, yeah, it was a midships that took over that spot. Um, I think that's kind of natural for a team to just circulate GMs every once in a while. Um, I think it's when you look at situations, like especially in Philadelphia, for them to have this kind of consistent, very frequent GM turnover, and especially when GMs uh, are either either resign or push or pushed out or whatever whatever happened there um 
whenever it's just messy. Um, which Philadelphia certainly was incredibly messy. Um, there's a few things I think on GM turnover when we talk about like concerns about GM stepping in and um, kind of especially burning out or kind of being pushed out or just failing out of the position really. Um, I think the first thing that we need to see is teams and head office both being more aggressive about stopping train wrecks in progress. We saw this happen with Chicago. Um, to a certain degree, we're seeing it happen with Baltimore and Philadelphia. Um, no knocks on like the people that are being put in charge there now. Um, but yeah, just a lot of, I think, the situations with those teams leading into that, I think, we saw for several seasons of just kind of really, really messy choices. Um, and I know we've seen from pretty public out, uh, laundry airing of some of the stuff especially in Philadelphia, reading through Maury's post and understanding, being with Orange County, understanding a little bit more of the background there. Um, just kind of when there's such a breakdown of communication between, you know, the team front office, you know, the whole war room, and even just the team at large and the, the, play, the people in charge, the GMs in charge of the team, if there's a total breakdown in communication there, um, uh, teams have to s stand up and just um, not stand for that. You know, take. I, I think we need to be more liberal with taking control away from people that will just wreck teams, um, wreck teams, and then just walk away from the fire. In some cases, you know, run away to somewhere else. Um, yeah, I think we need to be more aggressive in monitoring those situations and um, stopping that from happening. Um, I'm not going to put the whole onus on that in on the on HO. They can't monitor every team, and it wouldn't be good for wouldn't be good for HO to be in every war room or whatever. But uh, I think to a certain degree, people in war rooms need to step up, and uh, people in team locker rooms need to step up when GMs are yeah. Just stop, stop your GMs from wrecking your team if they're going to do it. Um, other than that, I think I think the big thing is we need I think we need more turnover in the DSFL, um, and I think some people would be a little bit shocked by that, but um, I think we definitely need more people to. Because really, for me, after you've after you've gone through two seasons. Ethan is a GM in the DSFL. You know how the job works. Um, if you don't know how the job works at that point, it shouldn't be a GM. Um, just my opinion on that. But um, I, I think people that are holding on to these jobs for several, several seasons, um, I think it, I think it does kind of suck for a team to be like, oh, now, now it's like we're circulated GMs and it would suck for a team. I think visually just like, the feeling of it doesn't feel great to have if your GMs are stepping down every two seasons, but um, it works out in a lot of places. I think it's definitely working out in, 
in um, Dallas. Dallas has been a team um, that um, throughout their short history in the league has circulated quite a few GMs. Um, but I feel like still has remained quite successful, and that's because the GMs that are there have a have a have a focus on the future of developing not only players but developing war members and future GMs. Um, when I look at the like, at, it's just I I don't I don't know there if, if there's really many many times that it's worked out to have. A player jumps straight into being an ISL GM, especially young players. Um, and it does concern me to see players that are only a couple seasons into the league, into a recently joining the league, to jump into a GM position. Um, you know, I wish all the best to those players, absolutely. And it's definitely worked out in the past. I think P Money took over Yellowknife fairly quickly after joining the league and he never had a GM position but um, I really think we should be using the, G the DSFL more to, to, to develop GMs um, which takes DSFL GMs adapting an attitude of I need to be working on developing my war room and trying to find players that I can hand the keys off to in, in a couple of seasons which is tough to do when you're also learning how to be a GM but overall I think we need to we need to have more of an attitude of developing GMs in the DSL um, yeah so that's good there um, I think I think um, I'm hopeful for the future of the ice in general again I think it's kind of constrained to a few teams that just um, really just need a, a reboot to a certain degree or just need need a lot of work and I, I i don't know i don't know that i can say how those situations are going to get fixed and if they are anytime soon but we'll see second question from zegel why is sjs the way they they is oh, man i don't know uh, i just i went on length early on about just the simulation and that's just it is what it is you know drip cat uh, Zeal's next question was, what was your favorite game of the season? I think for me, it definitely would have to be, like, Week 9, that home game against Yellowknife, where we were still on that win streak. That win streak was so much fun, man. It's, um... <sighs> so stupid how many people were just mad about that. And, like, um... And, I don't know. To a certain degree, I understand. Yeah, it's, it's very lucky to, to be able to win nine straight games. Um, but I think it was a testament to how well the team is built um, and still a good amount of luck that um, feels great you know it was a really really cool thing to be a part of I don't know what the longest win streak is in the ISFL I'd be interested to hear what that is um, but nine great nine straight games is pretty amazing so last question from Zeagle Goat Tank Goat Tank uh, that moves us on to questions from Jeffy43 the man Prince Vegeta. Uh, thoughts on the season that just ended? Gone over this a little bit. Um, what are the notes I actually have on this? Uh, I think we saw a lot of the potential of this team. I think we saw a lot of how well the team is built. Um, and I'm really excited about uh, how next season will be. 
for the team. Uh, definitely disappointed in my own personal production. Uh, it's just a, a mixture of factors, but really, um, carries took a, a good bit of a dip. You know, picked up a, a little bit towards the end of the season, but just with a a lot of different factors. Um, yeah, overall, Nakamura's season production went down a bit, and uh, I'd love to see him getting back to. Uh, I mean, it feels great to lead the league in, in rushing yards. I don't know if that's going to happen with New York running the same strategies and Berlin also running very heavy run strategies. We'll see. Um, but I think I think Nakamura is very capable of it. I mean, he did it for two straight seasons. So, next question from uh, Jeffy: If you had to create recreate right now, what position would you sign up as? Um, and this is a tough one because I think the two positions that I most want to play in this league is running back. I love playing running back. And, um, man, if forced to retire on Nakamura right now, it'd be hard for me not to just make another running back. And uh, the other position would probably be quarterback. I think it'd be, especially moving into DDSPF 21 and looking at some of the stuff of how that looks, I think it'd be even more fun to be a quarterback. In, uh, in that game and in the uh, spectating that we have for DDSPF 21. The problem with that is that like, there just aren't spots for either of those things right now. Um, you know, at this point, there's gonna be a couple of running backs filling up whatever holes there barely even are in the ISFL as far as running backs go. Um, I don't know that there are that many aging running backs. Um, I think the lucky thing about if I had to recreate right now, the lucky thing about that is that I could then just become a running back again and go back to Orange County and fill my own hole. <laughs> Which, um, that sentence uh, is fine. We're going to leave it there. But I, uh, if I looked at quarterback right now, there, there are... Uh, you have Orhan in the uh, the draft cluster right now that is, you know, a great earner that's definitely going to be make for a great quarterback for a team. Uh, and you have Nags who could definitely be a, a very capable quarterback in the future as well. Um, and really the only spot, the, the oldest quarterback in the league right now is uh, Phoenix. I mean, you can count Cole and Wolfie as well, but they're both being replaced already. They've both got replacements down the line with... Um, <laughs> Daytona and um, Caliban stepping into those positions. So after that, it's S21 quarterbacks that are going to need to be replaced. And um, to recreate as a quarterback um, in the S27 class would be, man, it would be rough to try and even do that. Um, if I recreated in the S28 class, I might have more of a chance. Um... So I'd be entering into the DSFL for S27, um, which would be the same time that um, that uh, S20 is regressing. So S21 would be one, two, three seasons into regression by the time I hit my last season in the DSFL. Either way, just super tough to try and make a quarterback right now and even be in a position. Um, if I made a, if I were to make a defensive player, since that's kind of the demand, I would want to make a linebacker. And then I think about that, there really aren't any linebacker spots really that available right now. I don't think. And there's a few teams that need like one linebacker, and we'll see. Uh, it's hopeful that um, DDSPF 21 allows for more 
defensive formations to be more regularly used to see some 3-4 and some some other stuff um and maybe the stats will be and the and the and the watching the games will be nicer for a defensive back but i i, I don't know linebacker i think has not only the stats that are that are good to see but like are just interesting to watch um at least as much as it can be for defense just in dspf 21 i don't find it as interesting um to watch defense really at all um yeah uh i created a linebacker in the sc sfl i believe that's the right uh initialism uh and that's been fun that's gonna be fun i think but um much different simulation and uh i'm kind of just in there because i think it'd be fun and uh super easy to do but um answer the question running back first quarterback second linebacker third um, all those positions are going to be tough. Um, we'll talk more about uh, why that is later in the questions right now. But um, Jeffy's next question: Who is your favorite OCO GM, and why is it me? Sorry, Jeffy, but um, Laser was the one that drafted me, so I'm going to go with that. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun having you step up and take over for Revolution. Um, yeah, been doing a great job. So both i guess we'll say uh jeffy's last question was how excited are you for next season extremely excited um i've talked about it a few times i think next season is gonna be great for orange county um and people are gonna love uh crying about us for another few seasons after that so thanks for the questions jeffy uh speaking of my favorite ocia gm laser asked some questions as well sorry jeffy um <laughs> Laser's first question was, how do you feel about the increasing parity in the league? Um, and I'm going to actually answer this question along with with Laser's second question, which is, should we expand again? To which the answer is, yes, absolutely should. Uh, we absolutely should be expanding a lot. Um, I think the increasing parity in the league for me is concerning. Um, I, think, I think it is... I think people are going to take this a little bit the wrong way when I say it, but I think it is too easy right now to build a good team. Um, and what I mean by that is just, I feel like there is such a... Uh, how did I write this down? I wrote this down as um, there are too many high-quality players and too few spots. Um, there's an overabundance of max earners for the amount of spots that there are. Um, I've talked about this a few times before, but I, when you look at real sports leagues, there is even like in the, the, the top, top pro league, there is a struggle to fill certain positions sometimes. Um, and, and sure, sure, certainly we do have that at the, at the ISV level, but um, not nearly in the same way where maybe part of that is because we don't have injuries, but even then... Um, how many teams have to go into the season with players starting on their teams that wouldn't be able to start on other teams? But, like, it's just... Even at just full position groups, if you look at it, like... Teams have to struggle to, like, just fill positions and put bodies out on the field and then game plan around that. And, um, 
yeah, part of that is the salary cap working um, just much differently. But part of that is just, I, I think we just, we have too many players and not enough teams. Um, I think I went over that when I talked about like what position I would recreate at. If you just look at the ice hole right now, how many players are really being forced to switch to positions they don't want to switch to. Um, and... It's just a mess. Um, I strongly feel like we should expand at least another couple of teams, at least another two teams in S27. Um, and then I would expand again two to four teams in S28. Um, especially if it's a good RNFL class. Um, either way, just... Um, I don't think I would make the expansion draft as as rough as it was for the S25 expansion, but um, I think teams need to be thinned out a bit. Um, I think teams should. I think teams should be struggling to find active players to fill all of the positions. Um, I think inactive players are a great analog for us. Um, for like, um, you know, practice squad level players playing in the NFL or whatever are just, um, old veterans that, you know, I don't know, just overall, like, just going to say it again, too many players, not enough spots in the league. Really just, um, I don't think, I don't think it's been a good decision to be as conservative with expansion as front as uh, head office has been and um it's it's tough some of it is some of it may be you know like imploding teams feeding the well-run teams and that goes back to needing teams people in teams and head office both to be more aggressive in replacing gms that are not doing their jobs or her doing the opposite of their jobs even um yeah and i think some uh, i think to a certain degree the way that this is set up has limited the ability for low earning players to find a place in the league and, and that is concerning for me um i think the league is much better when there's an ability for a number of different sorts of activity levels to find a spot. I'm not saying that like a quarterback that only does ACs should be able to have a starting starting quarterback spot, but like if somebody wants to play defensive end and only do ACs and the occasional like I don't know uh, like an affiliate PT even, I think there should be a spot for that player to uh, find some playing time. Um. But that's not going to happen if uh, a team has four max earning defensive linemen. Um, I don't know. I don't know teams are going to be, like, uh, you know, heartbroken to have to break up um, and, like, feel like their team is suddenly going to be just atrocious for not having a max earning player at every position. But, Yeah. Would love to hear more comments on people listening to the podcast in the uh, thread here, just as far as what you think about um, expansion and about the current kind of parity, I guess you can say, in the league.
Um, I think the current parity right now is just is just forced based on having so many players. It's just very, I think it's very way easier than it should be to, um, to put together a team with high level earners in every position. Um, yeah, which I, I think is why you're seeing more and more just like these kind of random results each season, just if teams are so, are kind of forced in to be so, so close together that like it's, you're not, you, it's it's just two almost identical teams and you just do a coin flip rather than like different ideologies and different like levels of team building and different approaches to team building a team that goes heavy on trying to maximize their secondary and maybe has to start some inactives in the defensive line or whatever but like instead it's just the same teams basically as far as team building um, last question from Laser is, uh, uh, what would you do as far as conference realignment? Who would you put in each conference to make things make sense, but also make the strength of teams more even? Uh, I kind of plotted the teams out on the map. I don't think there's geographically a way that makes sense to split up, um, the conferences. So I looked at, you know, you could do something of like an east-west thing where you put, uh, Yellowknife, Colorado, Austin, Arizona, Orange County, San Jose, and Honolulu in the same conference. And then you had New Orleans, Chicago, Sarasota, Baltimore, New York, Philadelphia, and Berlin in, a, in another conference. I don't think that would be very balanced. Uh, I think right off the bat, you can kind of tell the difference in that. And then uh, you could do a North-South, which would be Yellowknife, Colorado, Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, Baltimore, Berlin versus Sarasota, New Orleans, Austin, Arizona, Orange County, San Jose, and Honolulu. Also, I don't think is terribly balanced. I think your problem is that you have Philadelphia, New York, Baltimore, uh, and Berlin kind of. They're both northern and they're both eastern, so they're all going to be kind of clumped together no matter what you do. Um, and I would have to say that those are the, the, the four teams that I think are uh gonna be the bottom of the league most likely next season we'll see um but i think as far as like long-term trust those are the teams that i have the least long-term trust in um just where they are in, in, the, in their team building right now um so that's just makes it tough um and then i was looking at like where do i think teams are right now how would i balance things out um and that was very hard <laughs> Um, I looked at the conferences and I, I, I mean, even just trying to write them out, like balance one for one, like who's the most equivalent to like where this team is in their team building process. Uh, I came up with the same conferences, except I switched, uh, who did I switch? Uh, I put Philadelphia in the ASFC and I put Berlin or, or uh, New York rather in the NSFC. And maybe I would switch Baltimore and Honolulu as well, but either way i think the i think the conferences are fine right now which is very evident if you look at the 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 um standings um two seven and nine teams in both leagues and then having honolulu at eight and eight san jose and arizona both at nine and seven um, and then in the NSFC of Baltimore and Chicago, both at eight and eight, and uh, Sarasota at eleven and five. Um, I don't know. Just I, I think quite balanced overall. Um, maybe you look at some of the win totals in the NFC, and 
say, um, kind of Colorado and Sarasota are maybe a little bit beating up on Berlin and Philadelphia and uh, Baltimore and Yellowknife, but um, it's working out all right. I don't, um, I don't think there's enough of a separation to even really want to realign them much at all. But uh, thank you very much for the questions, Laser. Um, moving on to Darkness Rising's question, where he asks, uh, why do you use Quest and not Keist, Q North, or Q South? Um, also asks, why do you use Q in your username? And also, why do you? Um, I guess if you're asking a legitimate question about the username, um, my name in real life is Wesley. Um, and Quest is kind of, it's just, it's a, I, th <laughs> I thought long and hard about what I wanted my gamer username to be, if we're going to put it that way. Um, I don't know, just a username I came up with after a lot of thinking about different ways to uh, kind of make a pun with Wesley without really making that much of a pun. I don't know, just something that I thought would be cool. And I like the letter Q, why not? Um, and I like the idea of Quest for like a user that I, name that I use in a lot of games and uh, therefore on Discord. So good, I like it, it's fine, you know, no arguments for me, it's my name. Don't worry about. Thank you for the questions, Darkness. Uh, questions next from Reverend O'Reilly, the boy Richard Dick Leaking from uh, Dallas, future Orange County star. Um, first question from Rev is any thoughts on how to unfuck the DSFL as far as player shortages across teams? ISFL expansion seems to have done a number on DSFL numbers this season as far as call-ups go. Do you think there's something that might fix itself, especially with S28 probably being an RNFL class? Um, yeah, for people that are concerned about that, me saying uh, I want us to have three more expansions, or uh, I guess that would be like six more expansion teams in the next two seasons uh, would certainly be concerning. And I think if you look at the GSFL overall, you'd have to be concerned about the rosters overall. Um, it's a it, he, The problem with the DSFL is, is to fill the positions there, you need to have a constant stream of increased, uh, of uh, accelerated, how am I putting this? You need to have more and more users coming into the league every season. Um, just by nature, you know, players in the ISFL spend, uh, you know, they have seven seasons until regression, and so they're spending seven to nine seasons or seven to ten seasons or whatever in the ISFL, and then, you know, when those players recreate, they really only want to spend one season. They, they really would prefer to go straight up. Um, so players in the DSFL are spending one, two, three seasons in the DSFL on average. Um, so there's just an inherent kind of imbalance there, even when there's only eight DSFL teams to 14, or even if you expanded six teams, eight DSFL teams to 20 ISFL teams, um, I don't think you could expand the DSFL again for certain. Um, and it's tough because you have certain positions in the DSFL because of the way that the ISFL is that have, that have um, redundancies at um, running back and uh, running back less so now that people have stopped creating running backs because there's no running back spots. But wide receiver, people keep keep creating wide receivers 
all the time, especially all the people that are kind of shunned away from other offensive positions, go to wide receiver. Um, several tight ends, even. Um, and then you're getting a huge influx of linebackers in the DSFL. You know, it's hard to find a spot for the line. Just, um, there are certain positions that are, that are really, um, way, way full. <laughs> Just, um, not enough spots in the DSFL either. So, what's the solution there? Because uh, at the same time, um, you saw a couple of teams like Dallas and Norfolk that got hit, hit really hard with um, call-ups. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily something of like, oh, the DSL is fucked up now. I think that's that was that was a uh, that was a factor of the fact that um, the ISL badly badly needed expansion. Um, there's no reason we shouldn't have expanded four teams in S22, um, and then even another two teams in S25, or even four teams in S25. We are very badly behind on expansion. I strongly believe that that's true, um, and so that's meant that yeah, there was there was a really big buildup um, from S22 on to now of players in a lot of positions, players just having to spend a lot of seasons down in the DSFL. And so there's a lot of buildup at those positions. Uh, and then with expansion, all at once, all of those players are getting called up, just mass call-ups. Um, not every team was hit as hard. You know, there are, there are a lot of teams in the DSFL that I think are more strongly um, built to have turnover consistently. Um, Portland during my time has pretty constantly dealt with this. We 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 don't have a lot of players that stay down very often. Um, we we tend to be able to build players up to going straight up in the ISFL after one two seasons. Uh, we don't have a lot of players that go all the way. Um, but you do have a lot of these players that um, sometimes even build up on the same team, and it's hard because um, they're all kind of get gonna get called up at once because they're at a high enough tp level that once um there's actually even just a marginally closer to a to a decent distribution of talent to positions in the ice belt you're gonna have to get those players all called up all at once um so i think it'll even out uh, i think we need to be less scared of using bots in the ds spell it's just it's just better you know we <laughs> i think people are scared about having to fold DSL teams into all bot teams and I think that would be way less of a concern if we were just a little bit more liberal with bots on teams in the DSL and not forcing players to go to positions that they don't want to um, um, it's tough and I am uh, me taking aggressive stance on position switching does not come off as the best as somebody that um, was very uh filled a lot of positions by position swapping um but i think i was a little bit smarter about um if i was going to position swap a player it was because i found a player that um um not only was very willing to swap but also i felt would fit a position more um like when i moved arcs from tight end to corner i was like this guy's amazing he's gonna be a max earner he doesn't care much about his position he kind of cares about building up for a team so moving him over to a secondary position not only would help my DSFL team, but also would make him a huge target in the ISFL. And then, boom, Arcs goes two overall. 
um, and goes up immediately to be a starting player in the ISFL for Yellowknife. So, um, I, I, yeah, there are position switches like that that definitely have to happen. But um, I think uh, I think there are two things you could do. I think I would I would maybe you know expand GM bots, maybe give a third one, um, and maybe make the TPE scale for GM bots go up quicker. Um, maybe start them a little bit higher even for the first week so start them at 60 TPE instead of 50 and then make the scale go up more like plus 15 TPE a week I think overall that would increase so so the bots would end the season at about 135 TPE I would maybe even scale it up more than that because bots and GM bots end the season at 100 TPE um, but yeah, um, so that, um, you can have those filling critical positions where there's just shortages at, um, I, yeah, I would maybe even boost that up more. So it's more viable for there to be a quarterback bot even, cause there was a shortage on quarterbacks even this season. Every team eventually had an active, for the most part, uh, human quarterback Norfolk is a little bit behind the eight ball, but um, with how little, with with how much quarterbacks are always going to be stalwarts. Like there's, you're not going to have sudden turnover at quarterback position very often at all. So, consistent quarterback spots are going to be very hard to come across in the DSFL uh, or, or, or in the ISFL. So less quarterbacks creating because they're not going to find a spot in the ISFL. Um, it's just weird. It's just weird. Um, so I think I would make it more viable to have bought a quarterback. Um, I don't know. Just in general, I think uh, DSFL HO needs to be on the idea of being more liberal with bots to just give like an average level at those positions. Um, you know, to a certain degree, you, def you don't want bots to be able to out-earn uh, a low-earning human player. Um, but also, like, I don't know. I don't think you want to handicap a team just because... Just kneecap a team just because there's a shortage at a position that they are really in need of that season. I don't know. It's tough. It's really tough to say exactly. Um... Yeah, I think we just need to be... I think we need to understand that DSL rosters are supposed to have more holes. Um, you know, if I looked at Norfolk's roster in many other seasons, other than the quarterback situation, but in most other seasons, I don't think Norfolk's roster is a bad roster. Um, but they were kind of panned as being a team that was just decimated and wasn't going to be able to compete whatsoever. Um, but yeah, most seasons, I don't think that would be a terrible roster. It's just um, because it's been you know, too much talent at the ISFL level, that means that trickles down to the DSFL. And so if you do have mass call-ups for certain teams at certain times, that's going to be an even bigger imbalance with other teams. Either way, the DSFL is for, for development overall. Um, I really would not worry about DS your, your DSFL team results really at all. It... Um, even if the teams in the DSL are very uh, different in in like skill level or in like TPE level, um, it's so constrained because of the cap 
the 250TB cap that um, it's very possible for a not that great, as far as TPE goes, team to make it and win the ultimate. Um, it's definitely happened. <laughs> um, I don't know. The, 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 the standings in the playoffs in the DSL are more random than are just, they're just very random. Just gonna say that. Um, I think that's enough talk about that. Um, next question from Rad. He asks, who has the better profile picture with a letter, Zeal or Quest? I'm gonna have to, here, here's the thing. I'm the OG. Zeal based his profile picture off of mine. To a certain, I mean, it, it's his own style, but like the idea of it is based off of mine. Mine is versatile in colors. Yeah, I mean, his is funny as well, but um, I don't know. His is cool and it's cut the whole fad now of everybody having the, the Zeagle profile picture, which has been really fun um, and very stupid. I don't know, either one. Um, last question from Rebel, what is your favorite emoji in the, in the OCL locker room? The correct answer is D Danny DeVito, but other answers are more than welcome. Um, I have a hard time rating the, 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 um, the animated emojis in any locker room, just because I don't have Nitro and I can't use them. Um, if I was gonna rate one of the animo animated emojis high, I would have to do uh, Bonko Otter because I made it. Uh, and also it's just very fun. The little otter bongoing away. Uh, as much as San Jose, I guess, hates us for stealing. I don't know, whatever. It's Bongo Cat is its own separate thing that, that they took as well. And we can have it as well. And we can all share. And kumbaya. Uh, as far as like actual emojis that I use in OCO, uh, I think it definitely would have to be Selly Otter. Just having a great time. Very good emoji. Now, especially now that they're uh, <laughs> colored orange, which is fun. Uh, very good, very good. Thank you for the questions, Rev. Um, had a good time answering those. Uh, we got a few questions here from Zan. Uh, Bob Roberts from New York. Uh, he asks, do you ever want to GM again? No, that's just gonna be the answer. I just don't, I, I'm, I, I had a good time uh, sometimes. Uh, it was hard to kind of be very hands-on in really turning around uh, Portland, um, but I feel very comfortable about the people in charge there and I don't have the time or the desire to really step in and take the reins of an ISL team, so that's not gonna happen. Uh, next question from Zayn. Uh, best OCO draft pick with your time on the team and also worst draft pick with your time on the team. Uh, best one, I'm going to give to Goat Tank. Just no reason he should have fallen to it. I mean, uh, to a certain degree, I want to say Rev because it was also an amazing pick up in the second round. Just kind of one of those things that happens with, you know, S25 being S25. Um, but Goat Tank falling to 11, even in a big draft class, never should have happened. Um, but it did. And we got Goat Tank. Goat Tank. Uh, worst pick, I'm going to say is probably any of the S20, I think it was S23 running backs. Uh, it's the same draft class with McZeal, and there was a couple other running backs we drafted, Danny King and somebody else. Um, just none of those picks worked out for us. Um, there was just not enough, not enough scouting done, uh, and those picks were made a little bit blind. And, um, you know, McZeal's done okay over the last couple of seasons, but I think, it, I think it's hurt the team a little bit not to have a, a, a you know, a, a, an active <laughs> RB2 at all. Um, so yeah, it is what it is. Uh, I don't think we've made many bad picks. Um, we haven't made many picks, period. 
um, just because of the way that the team is built right now. We haven't we've been kind of trading forward pretty consistently, or just trading four players, uh, which has been fine. It's worked out for us. Um, uh, next question from Zan: What new GM do you think will have the most success? Um, I think if you're looking at any of them, any of the people that are taking over this offseason, I would have to say Kyle is in the best position to succeed. And uh, having worked with him when he was on Dallas and I was on Portland is, you know, a reasonable guy. Um, a bit of a... <laughs> he's a bit of a homer uh, and a bit of uh, He fights hard for his team, which was uh, not always the most fun thing working with him in awards committee last season, but, um, I can't blame him for that, so, um, and I know he's gonna, he's gonna be pretty good to work with GM to GMs, um, and, um, is gonna do well for his team, and he's got a midships there as well, and just a strong war room there overall, especially with them acquiring South, I know South a lot, and he's great, and they have Kaya, and, uh, I believe they have Tanzi right now as well. That whole crew is 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 together and they're going to be very supportive and, and very good at um giving him all the tools he needs to succeed so um last question from zan why do you hate middle linebackers we had a whole thing in awards committee uh, where i just i'm never gonna really just the way that like mathematically i think scoring the value of tackles versus other stats um just always is going to be impossible for me to really rate middle linebackers high enough to nominate them much in uh, in uh, linebacker of the year or any of the defensive awards really um, there's a lot of talk about players like Winchester uh, that I think I don't know I think awards committee overall puts way too much stock into like the just the word record just like if somebody gets close to a record or like is in the top three or breaks a breaks a rookie record suddenly they need to be freaking MVP like I don't know we can look at them relatively like if somebody breaks the uh, like breaks the QB yardage record but has like 20 touchdowns and 30 interceptions and another quarterback is even like 500 even a thousand yards behind him and has like 30 touchdowns 10 interceptions I'm gonna rate that other quarterback higher because like breaking a yardage record it doesn't matter or like breaking a tackle record or whatever it doesn't matter that much if you're not like providing consequential statistics to your team um like tackles are important like if you didn't tackle the person yes they would if nobody tackled the person they would go in for a touchdown but somebody's going to tackle them most often and it's usually going to be multiple people involved in a tackle or near it um, and those tackles are still, you, you could tackle somebody after allowing a 20 yard gain or a critical third down, uh, conversion. And like, I don't know, a sack, a sack is always going to be a consequential play for the defense. You're never going to have a sack, a sack where the offense gains yards, you know, you're never going to gain a TFO where where the offense gains yards or gains production like that that's never going to be beneficial for the offense but you have plenty of tackles after great plays for the offense so um just not nearly as consequential uh and you can have nine you can have a quarterback throw 90 yards down the field and then throw an interception on the next play and those yards are all canceled out essentially like 
Um, I think we have to look and weight stats very differently, and uh, I weight tackles very low. Um, and that's just a factor. Um, but yeah, it's been work good working with you in, in Oryx Committee, and uh, I hope I have explained my opinions without being a total asshat. Uh, but thank you for the questions, Zan. Uh, last quest set of questions here, unless somebody sneaks in, uh, is going to be from Moonlight, the boy Franklin Armstrong, now Big Slamu, coming in with the S26 class. My man. Uh, his first question is, how do you get past the damn saber cut so the otters can get back to the ultimates? I don't know. Just, uh, you just, you know... If, you, if you're losing a coin flip, you just gotta keep flipping the coin even though this season definitely wasn't a coin flip unless it was a coin with four sides and three of them were us. <laughs> um, whatever, man. Uh, just is what it is. We'll get past them. You know, we'll keep... The, the way that you get past that kind of bad sim lock is that you just keep building a great team and it'll go your way eventually. Um, second question from uh, Moonlight what's your goal for Nakamura Hall of Fame best auto running back of all time I think definitely I can achieve best auto running back of all time I already have a couple of season records for OCO as far as running back statistics go um, and there just really hasn't been from my understanding uh, a, a Orange County running back with a lot of success especially over a longer career um, I definitely think I can achieve Hall of Fame if I can get the production back up to something more like S23, S24 levels. I think that's definitely achievable, especially if we keep building a great team and can get a ring or two under the belt. So yeah, just going to keep at it. I don't know what DDSPF21 is going to bring to that conversation. It's going to be interesting to say the least. I don't know. I guess if anybody's going to be prepared for it, though, it's going to be the people like me that are going to be going into that at basically their peak TPE and so they're gonna have all of the I'm gonna have all of the stats maxed out so like should be prepared unless suddenly power like power archetype is way more meta but still I don't think it'll I don't think it'll hurt me and I think almost everybody will still be speed archetype running backs um, I think the only thing that could really hurt running back numbers is if the um, I don't know if it's this, it's going to be the same in DDSPF 21, but 16 has a has a um, has two sliders in the advanced settings for your league of like pass efficiency and run efficiency, um, and we've set those at a pretty good place where um, the running game and the passing game are both able to perform pretty well, um, about to where we'd expect them to be to kind of match realistic numbers ish so um if we can match those sliders and i can have pretty consistent numbers should be in a good spot for hall of fame i think which is still you know very early to think about but um yeah if i can put myself in a good position for a couple of wards and have the kind of consistent career numbers gonna be good last question for moonlight and therefore last question on the podcast where do you stand on a mike boss versus franklin armstrong debate for goat um mike boss definitely has more advanced numbers but from my understanding, I think Mike Boss, I think early on, from my understanding, there was a, we had a 16 games. I believe this is correct, that we were on a 16 game schedule. So he had more of an opportunity to rack up career numbers than Armstrong did. Um, where Armstrong was playing the majority of his career on like a 14 game, or I guess a 13 game season. Um... Not to mention Armstrong was playing a majority of his career against consistently better defenses than uh, and better opposing offenses as well than uh, I think 
Mike Boss Jr. or Mike Boss Sr. or whatever was um, playing against. So I go, I'm all in on Armstrong. Plus, you revolutionized the position, set everybody on the expectation that you, that uh, quarterback played uh, the game manager archetype, and that was the, the meta. Big ups to Armstrong. Always one of the biggest reasons I wanted to join OCO, and was a, was a pleasure and a half, man, to play with you. So I do miss Armstrong every day, as much as Rams has been doing a good job. So that uh, is the end of the questions, and uh, I believe we're just over an hour. Perfect gotten a lot better at not you know recording for two hours um and being a little bit more concise about what i'm talking about i think either way i'm in a very zen place you know great view out of the out of the apartment much better than a gray wall with no windows in the room um just great we're peak man we're we're absolute peak um excellent have enjoyed recording i uh, hope you enjoyed the commentary and the talk and the answers to your questions um so yeah i'll get this posted here soon uh if you're listening to this i assume the podcast has already been posted so this is just the delirious and a podcast talk where i don't have a i don't have anything written down so i'm just talking hey how, how you doing how are you doing as a per i hope you're i hope you're doing well give me a give me a um what would be a good what am i gonna say just um, just type smile in the comments on the post if you listen all the way to the end of the podcast. And if you're doing well, I want to know if you're doing well. Hope you're doing well. If you're not doing so well, I hope you get better. I don't want to say I don't want to know about it, but um, this is a sim league and I really only know you through the internet. So um, I don't know if I can provide, you know, the kind of... I think I'm going to end the show. Uh, thank you for watch, for listening, watching. Um, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. All you out there, stay questionable.